Welcome to Church Ahead, the weekly Christian podcast talking about big questions facing the future of church with Rev L all the way from the north of England. Episode 23, Kokin at Keswick, is the first of three episodes on conferences. But was this one any good? I've always enjoyed going to conferences. I enjoy meeting the people, hearing the pictures of different visions of what church stands for, what church should be and where church should go next. Obviously, different churches have very different approaches to what they do. I suppose with a conference, there's usually an agenda of one group of Christians wanting to share their approach with a wider group of people. So if you want to encounter the main reform movements within the church, you've got to hit the conference trail. But don't worry, if you can't get there, Rev L, your intrepid conference junkie, has done the rounds for you. I'm going to share the experience of three conferences in the north of England, each of which throw out some valuable insights into the future of church, and they could not be more different. Today we're in the company of the traditional evangelicals in the Cumbrian market town of Keswick. The convention, as they call it, has been going for nearly 150 years, putting on what they call Bible readings. The heroes they lionise are overseas missionaries who take the gospel to the lost overseas. As most Protestant Christianity has evolved in a liberal direction, this lot have stuck to a conservative, Bible-stressing Protestant Christianity. And if you thought all of that was fading away, well, you wouldn't think it at the Keswick Convention. It draws a lot of Northern Irish Presbyterians and Scottish Protestants, as well as English Evangelicals, of a more conservative type. I went once when I was 14 and loved the morning Bible reading, followed by a long gap in the programme when we swam in a lake. It's not too intense, and they've always been careful to keep a relaxed holiday feel to it. I suspect many of the punters would see this as their main summer holiday. So what was I doing there? Well, I was camping nearby on a three-day walking trip backing up the rock climber of my family. I finished my meal at my favourite Keswick restaurant at about seven o'clock on a lovely July evening, and I strolled round to see if my pal Tony was in his holiday home round the corner. I walked into the car park of his apartment block and looked up to see if his light was on. No, it wasn't. And just as I turned away, I saw a man of about my age coming out of the flats with a big black Bible under his arms. He smiled at me and I thought straight away he's going to the convention, which is just up the road. So I decided to follow him. I thought it would be good to take in the atmosphere of people going in, only for the research purposes of church ahead, of course. As I reached the campus of the Keswick Convention... I was taken aback by the scale of it. They've moved into the biggest industrial building in the town and put up massive marquees all around. 
The physical infrastructure reminded me of Greenbelt, with the fast food pop-ups and huge bookstore they call Basecamp. So I stood outside the main marquee, watching hundreds of middle-aged people stream in. That was after walking past the youth event with hundreds of teenagers milling around in little groups in the sunshine. I listened carefully to the accents, and they were from all over the United Kingdom. It never actually occurred to me that I might go in, but I was slightly seduced by several smiley greeters. And of course, with your best interest, dear listener, in mind, I walked into the tent and soon found myself sat in the middle of this massive pop festival scale marquee. No ticket or armband, no payment, no registration. I just walked in. It couldn't have been easier. The people around me looked a bit pale and pasty for the Lake District. They didn't look like mountaineers, but they looked content enough. The show was about 90 minutes in duration. The first half was mainly singing and adverts. The band were good. They could really play. I was particularly impressed by the skill of the guitarist. I couldn't help noticing the way the singers waved their arms around because a generation ago these conservative evangelicals would have said that's what the charismatics do, we don't do that sort of thing. It was well done with all the words you needed projected on big screens. I suppose I'd forgotten what I don't like about worship in this world but I was reminded soon enough. The theme was gratitude, which they took as the signal for lots of lyrics about the physical agony of Jesus' crucifixion, which in turn is supposed to prompt our gratitude to God. There was more blood and gore than a butcher's shop. After a couple of these songs, I stopped singing. But I suppose when we got to the actual talk, I couldn't claim that I hadn't been warned. The preacher was a London clergyman called Richard Cokin, giving a Bible reading on Psalm 67. I was at Theological College in Oxford with Richard Cokin, so I could tell you quite a bit about him. When I arrived at Wycliffe Hall in 1989, one of the most evangelical theological colleges in the Church of England, Richard was on the roll, but he wasn't actually there. He didn't think Wycliffe was conservative enough. So he spent a year at Moore College, Sydney, the most conservative evangelical theological college in the English-speaking world. Some of the pep talks about how to behave well at Wycliffe to my cohort basically said, don't be like Richard Cokin. Some story about him reducing the librarian to tears by peeling an orange over some of their best textbooks. He's always been a maverick, never afraid to go out on a limb. Some of the stories that stick to him are funny, such as livening up the round church in Cambridge with a water pistol as an undergraduate. Some are more controversial, such as losing his license in Southwark Diocese. And some are darker about his close association with Jonathan Fletcher, who's been discredited with abuse. Modest in height, He's always been a big cheese in the evangelical movement. Oh, 
and did I say he's effectively the Archbishop of his own denomination of 30 churches? Now this is where his name gets funny. His new denomination is called Co-Church. Is that Kokin's narcissism, or was someone teasing him? And what made his name particularly hilarious on this evening was that the front woman anchor introducing him was a young Liverpudlian woman with a strong Scouse accent. So, our speaker is Richard Kochen. I rather liked that, and it was clear to me that Keswick Convention are trying hard to be more inclusive and to embrace a wider culture. It's just that the two K consonants sound particularly funny in Scouse. So what did I make of Richard Cokin's talk? Well, I'm a sucker for a sermon, in particular for a Bible reading type of sermon, which is based on a biblical text. For me, good preaching enlarges the universe, makes me feel surrounded by God, fills my mind with big ideas and my heart with love. A bit like walking the fells around Keswick. But 45 minutes of listening to Kokin shrunk my spiritual world, sucked out all the oxygen, numbed me and depressed me. This ordeal felt like 45 hours. It felt more like being on a life support machine in hospital than on holiday in the Lake District. More like crawling through an airless tunnel than standing on top of Scarfell Pike. Dressed in a pristine white business shirt and smart jacket, I'm not sure Richard realised that he was speaking outside of London. There was no reference to Cumbria or countryside. All his illustrations were urban. I'll give you the flavour of one of his stories. You're on your way home from this conference. Walking down your street, just before you reach your house, you see that your neighbour's house is on fire. So you bang on the door to wake them up. They're dozing and slow to respond, but you won't give up. You keep banging and banging until they come down. No, that's not a story about climate change. It's your duty to warn those around you they're going to hell. Literally, this religion is turn or burn. I suppose the big idea was this. What's the purpose of life? Why are you alive today? So that you can evangelise more people, of course. That is the sole purpose of your existence. Nothing else matters. Why had God delayed the return of his son another day? so that you can recruit some more converts today. What a dismal vision of life. What a dreadful God that goes with it. More like the Jehovah's Witnesses, the mainstream British Christianity in the 21st century. What this worldview reminds me is what economists call a Ponzi scheme. A Ponzi scheme is an investment where there's no actual investment. Each group of investors takes the money paid in by the next group, who takes in payment from the next, and on it goes until someone realises it's a house of cards with no actual substance. No one is actually investing in anything. In this evangelical extremism, converts recruit converts to recruit converts, 
and on it goes. But for what? There isn't actually any benefit in it, not in this world. You're saved to be a salesman. It's a dreadful parody of New Testament Christianity. And within minutes, I was groaning in agony listening to this stuff. I thought about walking out, but by now I was boxed in by other people in tight rows of chairs. And on it went. Now, Kokin, to give him credit, is a good salesman. If he were selling double glazing, he would make a lot of money because he bangs on and on and never gives up. Another illustration. Don't be one of those rugby players who comes off the field with a clean kit. Get into the action. Fight for your team in winning people for Christ. Make sure you come off the field with teeth missing and lumps taken out of you. What's that compared with the cross? Cue more graphic crucifixion porn. Please let me go, Richard. I can't stand it. Please, I'll say anything. I'll sign anything. I'll pay anything. But please just let me get out of here. This was a Bible reading on Psalm 67. And he explained the chiastic structure fair enough. But overall, I thought his handling of scripture was manipulative and would not bear much scrutiny. Did you know the parable of the talents is about your need to be a five-star evangelist? Because that parable is about the master's business. And of course, the master's business is evangelism. Every part of the Bible is pushed and squeezed to fit in to this miserable theology. Please, can I go now? Richard showed his... London scale of financial reality, when he said, some of you will be called to give financially to support the work of evangelism, some perhaps as much as a million pounds, some as little as 100 pounds. Does he really think 100 pounds is the widow's might? By then I would have donated 100 pounds just to get away. The Keswick Convention is a bit like Hotel California by the Eagles. You can check in any time of day, but you can never leave. When it was finally over, I stumbled out into the light outside, feeling numb and barely alive. There was a subdued mood among the punters. I don't know these people well enough to read them so I don't know what they made of it. Next day, I was on Skidor, the 3,000-foot mountain just to the north of Keswick, looking down on the town. And I asked myself why this experience of the Keswick Convention was so torturously depressing. Which was worse, hearing this dismal vision of religion or the realisation that the Keswick Convention serving up this rubbish is so well run. Thank you for listening to episode 23. Next week, we're at the Heart Edge Conference in Leeds. Leeds.